Welcome to the Cycles of Change radio program. I'm your host, David Katzmeyer. We'll come to you every Thursday night at 8 p.m. New York time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Tonight, we're going to be talking about education, the education of our children. We are all quite aware how the world is changing. We're going into new paradigms. The paradigm shift that we said was coming is here. The future is here. And are we thinking about how the children are going to be equipped to it? Are we going to leave it to their own, that they're going to wander into this and have to figure it out? Not necessarily. History shows that as times change, education methods also change. And today we have a pioneer in this. Gina Rokowski, an educator in the state of Delaware, is going to tell us about some of the innovative techniques she has for self-regulation's role in cultivating compassionate and resilient children in a new paradigm of teaching to match the new paradigm of the world. Gina, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and have a chance to talk about what I'm so passionate about and excited about for our children and their future and and their families and, and caregivers as well. Well, Gina, can you tell us a little bit about about you? Uh, well, I'm uh, I, I was a teacher for several years. Um, I have my master's degree in early childhood education. Um, I've been trained highly trained in um, the brain and and its relation to behavior and development. Uh, I've implemented um, many brain-based strategies uh, in my discipline programs uh, based on compassion. Um, and empathy, uh, as well as choices and consequences, and, and, and some of those same things. But um, I've taught kindergarten, I've taught first grade, I've taught second grade. Uh, I've worked with kids with ADHD, OCD, reactive attachment disorder, and I'm um, currently in the uh, stages of working with the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood uh, as an instructor um, for them. I, I did. Uh, some research when I was a graduate a research assistant um, with the University of Central Florida, uh, and that's when I first got introduced to um, social-emotional learning and its impact on a child's future. Indeed, Gina, you have a wonderful background, and it's interesting when I hear you mention things such as compassion and that you're looking in the emotional development of children, which I think is a very important change, is where we're going. And so I'm I sure hope so. <laughs> it looks that way. <clears throat> and so you're not just teaching the three R's. No. <laughs> I say the new three R's. Sometimes I think of them as like um, respect, responsibility, and resilience. Very nice. That's a, that's a shift. Well, you mentioned resilience as one of the three R's. What is resilience, Gina? Um, resilience is basically the idea of, of being able to bounce back when things don't go our way. Um, it's a social emotional competency that um, helps us to name our feelings, manage our emotions, uh, solve our problems, and make helpful choices, um, while also maintaining an awareness of the impact that that has on, on those around us. So, you know, if you can basically manage your emotions, name your feelings, and, and, and ultimately make helpful choices, you know, you're going to bounce back from any you know situation a lot more quickly when things don't go your way. Indeed, that's an important element because most plans are made to work, and there's no fail-safe. Um, no, no. I mean, the only the only safe is that something's going to not work, <laughs> and then the best plan you can have is what do I do when things don't go my way? So I think um, Linda Graham's definition of, of bouncing back is one of the best 
Um, she's a, a therapist out in California. I think she does some work with UC Berkeley or something, but I think that's one of the greatest um, easy, simple examples of, of describing what resilience is. Indeed, and we need that. So if you teach a child that, you'll teach them how to dance on. Oh, definitely. Trip. Yeah, because, you know, I, I always tell, you know, teachers and, and families that I work with, it isn't about the blue crayon that they don't get. It's about, you know, because the blue crayon becomes the, the, the blue shirt they didn't get or the invitation to the party and they want to, you know, run outside and, you know, open the window and jump out the window to go to the party when they're not supposed to. But it's, it, you know, and then it becomes a car or whatever. But it's really just about dealing with the feeling of disappointment or frustration because it really isn't the circumstance or the the item. It's really the feeling that goes along with it. And they travel with you from childhood all the way up through adulthood. <laughs> well, that's a very important element because there is a sort of a machine era concept of looking at emotion as a reaction to something and not considering emotion as a thing in itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, emotions manifest themselves in our body. You know, yeah. they are... That's why we talk about resilience as naming a feeling but managing, you know, the emotions. So it... They're, they're very easily misunderstood this day and age. And, you know, I was even told a couple times um, when I was teaching, oh, you know, I had a veteran teacher walk in and tell me my, my room was too foofy. You know, it wasn't, wasn't going to work. You know, because I had a safe, you know, I had a, I had a place in my room where the children had uh, a safe area if they needed to remove themselves, where they had squeeze balls. And, they, and we did a lot of connecting and, and um, breath work and things like that. So... It was a little uh, different, um, but it, you know, all my kids always ended up on, you know, more than 80% of them ended up on grade level by the end of the year. So something must have been working. <laughs> it must be, and you know, we tend to underestimate emotion, but yet that can be the obstacle towards someone's intellectual achievements, even if you're close oh, or intellectually only. Oh, and I'll talk only. to you about that for sure. That's <laughs> and that's what, what people what, what people don't realize is is how crucial this truly is to you know, success of your of your children, however you want to define that success. But, you know, there's still a lot of academic, you know, I want my child to be successful, meaning, you know, what does that success look like to you, you know? But in order for their intelligence to be fostered and developed, you absolutely have to start with, with helping them manage their, their feelings and emotions because of the biology of the effect it has on the brain. And this is overlooked, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of kids don't do well in school. They go wayward. They go into drugs. They hang in with the wrong crowd. There's the element of violence because you don't um, stop an emotion because you don't deal with it. It, it just, re- it, it just gets bigger. It. Yeah, I mean, whatever need is not being met, yeah. you'll find a way to meet it consciously or unconsciously. You know, um, you know, it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you need to be safe. You need to belong. You know, this is, you know, hopefully what we're teaching our children and what I'd like to help teach families and, and, and teachers um, is how to help children become their own attachment person so they, they have the internal ability to, you know, manage the emotions when things don't go their way and soothe themselves without having to do something detrimental to their, their future. So you're putting the power back to the child, yes. which they already have if they only realize Well, it. yes, and the parents have it too. And then that's what I'd really like to help parents understand is it, it isn't really all like, oh, my kids fussing and fits. You have the power. You have what you need. And if we can teach you, your kids are going to learn that. So 
that's you know that's the idea of conquering chaos and and, and our mission in empowering and supporting family schools and organizations in in uh, nurturing self-reliant resilient children well sometimes the obstacles are the course and instead of perceiving <laughs> how someone feels <laughs> about one. something yes oh that's as a challenge. getting in the way that's a challenge yes and yes. you address that I, I i try very hard to address the fact that that it's it's okay to feel out of control. I mean, you're, you know, when I walked into my, a room with 20-some children, I mean, hello. I, I didn't know what I, you know, I, I, the first thing I had to do, and this was even before I started teaching, was I realized I need to know how to manage these children. I mean, I mean, it'll be nothing but chaos in that room if I don't know effective ways of helping them stay focused uh, because it, it's, it's, it's a big challenge. So... What I'd like for families and, and teachers and schools to understand is it's, it's okay to feel like you're out of control. If you can own it, it's not such a big monster anymore. I mean, we all have issues, and you know, this is a challenge. You're, you're raising a human being. Of course it's challenging. I mean, you know, I mean, it's hard to make chocolate chip cookies if you don't know how to cook, but you get a recipe, and you don't go, well, I'm just going to keep trying, and oh, these suck, you know. And so it's really just giving parents and, and, and a recipe to help with, you know, for their children. And so my thing is, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay not to know. It's okay not to. It's okay to feel guilty. We're just going to take that and go. All right, we know it's there. What can we do differently? It's remarkable. There's a difference between responding to a child and reacting oh, to a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then those two words get very easily confused. Yes. Very, you know, our response is very different than a reaction, and 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 you know, experts and doctors will tell you the biology in the brain about all of that because it, it literally changes the state of the brain. When you have a reaction, you're stuck in your brainstem where you can't learn anything. You're you're stuck in survival mode. Uh, when you when you're responding, you're act, you know using the the higher centers of your brain uh, where your problem solving and, and learning and change can take place. And lowering your susceptibility to disease. Yeah, well, exactly, because that's, you know, your cortisol level goes up, which yeah. is the, the stress hormone, and people go, oh, that cortisol stress. That causes heart disease, diabetes, heart attacks, inflammation, which are all of the, you know, inflammation is, is, the, is the marker for all diseases. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it, it, what we're doing and what I'd like to do through my work with Conquering Chaos is, is you know lower that cortisol level, increase some of the the other hormones that are um, healthy hormones that encourage the brain development. That is remarkable as well. And to equip the parents in recognizing and dealing with the children's emotions and helping them to deal with it is comes with an element of compassion. Rather compassion rather than a parent saying you're not supposed to feel that way. Right. And then blaming the child right. for what it's doing. Right. And how can a parent counsel a child if it's not dealing with their own emotions. Well, exactly. And 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 nobody likes to hear you're not dealing with your emotions. So I obviously don't want I mean people go, "No, I can deal with my emotions." Well, I mean, well, nobody nobody likes to hear something about themselves that that they already kind of know. You, you know, that's like what I always thought of the stamp of approval, like, "Oh, you see it." And now you you know, I know it. You see it. Boom. Oh, you know, I try to pretend that isn't an issue for me, but it's we're never really taught how to deal with our emotions. You know, get over it, stop crying, you know, whatever it is. But they're not really that scary if you just kind of go, yeah, I, I don't know. And and I think, too, helping create an environment of support for parents. Eventually what I would like to do is have support groups and communities of families where what they learn from conquering chaos is continued with support. 
and 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 you know a sense of of community for them, so that they don't learn something and then have to go home and go oh, oh, oh you know. So it's it's kind of really encouraging them through the, through the process of of uh, implementing a lifestyle with their children that's that's based on creating resilience. You're telling us, Gina, that it's okay to feel a certain way, okay to feel overwhelmed and so forth. And neurosis is often defined that regardless of the impact of daily life, a deep-seated feeling that something is wrong with you. you know, well, I mean, it's like, you know, when the kid cries in the grocery store, you know, oh, my God, you know, people are going to see, and they're going to be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Well, it, 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 it's, it, everybody has something they're working on. And, and if you don't know what to do with your child, that's okay. You know, everybody's child is going to cry. It's really, you know, taking the the focus off of how do I appear to other people rather than, oh, my child is suffering, how can I help? You know, and and even to your own self, which is part of what I like to teach parents and and families, is how to be compassionate in the language and and what you can do for yourself in that moment. Because if you can say, oh, I'm worried about what everybody thinks, that's hard to have my kid crying like this, you're automatically going to shift from reacting to responding. Then you won't have to worry anymore when anybody thinks. So we're becoming more of a feeling nation, and we're going to I integrate sure that so. into our teaching. <laughs> I hope so. Well, as we understand our own emotions as parents, as educators, and we help teach children to do this, what is it once you recognize an emotion and you're finding a way to deal with what you're feeling, what the child is feeling? So that brings us to the element of self-regulation. Where do we go once we've taken that first step to say it's okay? Well, the idea is to, is, I mean, self-regulation is kind of, it sounds like such a big word that's maybe abstract, but the idea is just, you know, what self-regulation really is, is is regulating our our feelings, thoughts, and actions in service of a goal. And it refers to both unconscious processes and conscious processes. So, you know, when you talk about a goal, you know, I just did my strategic plan, which has these goals, you know, goals. But when you think about goals, it can be as small as I would like my child to come home from school and start their homework by, you know, 4 o'clock or whatever it is. Or I I would like my child to be able to, you know, go to bed more calmly or, you know, whatever. But they're, they're the goals in and of themselves. Or even going to the grocery store and your kid has a meltdown. You know, my goal may be I'd like to go into the grocery store and stay calm during that. But... The naming, the, you know, dealing with your feelings, the um, thoughts and actions is, is pretty much what, what sums up self-regulation, which is why it's so closely linked to creating resilience. I, I personally think that compassion plays a huge role in self-regulation for it to be effective, uh, and especially for building resilient children, because it, 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 you know, it, it helps to actually accept that suffering is a part of life. And, you know, it, suffering can't be fixed. It can be relieved. And compassion incorporates things like kindness, empathy, um, generosity, and, and courage and tolerance. Because if you have the courage to tolerate, ooh, this is suffering, even if it's just that I can't have the cookie I want or I'm embarrassed because of my child's behavior, it, it becomes more, it, it, you know, it actually takes a tran- it creates a transformation in the body. So I think the element of compassion is crucial in self-regulation um, and, and ultimately creating resilient children. Absolutely. And once we realize our own elements, once we feel the feeling, 
and know who we are rather than run away from, from ourselves, yep. then we can recognize the feeling, the state of being in somebody else. Yes, and that's really important for helping um, children. I mean, empathy is really a missed... I think it's a, 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 a key to healthy, happy, loving relationships, period, and it's very often misunderstood. Um, you know, oh, well, at least didn't ha- that didn't happen, or oh, well, that didn't happen. You know, at least you're still here. But in, rather than recognizing, wow, it, it, it's really hard when your kid has a meltdown and you're not really sure what to do. You know, that approach, you know, I want to work with anybody who could see what I was dealing with, but learning ultimately to help the person, adult or child, to see that themselves obviously leads to being more resilient. Know yourself, and then you can heal others. Yes, and that's um, a, a curriculum that I'm actually starting to write. I started writing last year. The first step is know me. When you know, when I think of, you know, I sat down and thought, wrote down. I said, what what would I want to say to my parents if I could have told them, you know, what I wanted them, you know, how I wanted them to raise me, and I came up with, know me, be with me, show me, support me and soothe me. So the first idea is really knowing how how this you know all of these sufi if you will, you know, the ideas are actually create a a you know impact profoundly the development of the brain. So through your own experience, through your own realization, through your own ability to feel your life and what was going on and developing the empathy, cultivating that which in, is in us all. Right. You set out on a journey that led you to these wonderful conclusions that sound so obviously true when <laughs> someone like you speaks them. But you had quite Thank a lot you. of research leading up to this and a lot of experience uh, before you got to these obvious conclusions that you're helping us realize. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, in particular, myself or with my ch- my students, or is there something in particular? Both, because you know um, you've had your own experience of being able to walk the walk in your own life, yes. but you've taken this from understanding the things that you have gone through and developed these new missing elements that you're integrating into the educational system. There's a parallel here in uh, medicine. When we were doing traditional medicine, then we went to alternative, which is when you leave the traditional. And then we went to complementary, where people started doing traditional medicine while seeing another doctor on the side, which might do maybe acupuncture (laughs) or something. (laughs) But now, uh, in physical medicine, uh, we're now going into integrated medicine. And we've found that. that these elements that people were flocking to were the absolutely crucial missing elements. And you're doing that with education. Yes, yes, I see what you're saying. It's like systemic almost, I know. Um, But I I can tell you this much. I mean, for me personally, it was very important for me to be modeling what I was teaching. And and I have had, you know, trauma in my own life. So... I did come out on top of that but by basically using some of these very same tools. And it was important to me because, I mean, the worst is when you go to a workshop or you, you attend something and, you know, it, 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 the, somebody's not practicing what they preach. You know, the, the show, if you will, is over and, you know, okay, now we're, we're done with that. And it was it was really important for me that that and, and in just not just because of that, but but 
what happened was a result of that decision was that I learned it, it supported what I was already implementing in my life to help me stay resilient based on some of the tragedies and traumas that I've suffered in my own life, like um, journaling, you know, breathing, being still, um, you know, as opposed to reaching out there for something outside of myself to soothe mm -hmm. myself, you know, cultivating um, compassion and internal language, which was a huge challenge for me. Um, only several years ago, I thought, oh, I really actually do have a, a voice in there, and, and learning to take the critic with me and go, okay, well, you're going to be with me. This is a part of me. You can come along, but there's also this other part of me that, that is, is, is capable and, and, and um, smart, intelligent, and resilient. But with, without, I, I know these resources work because I've used them, and, and I've seen it work with other children, which is miraculous. But you know, sometimes I, I forget, too, that, that what I've been through is pretty impressive as well. But that, tools like um, you know, literally noticing when I'm upset and noticing what's going on in my body is, is, and then naming my feeling are, are things that I actually use every day and have used that have helped me survive um, and ultimately, you know, thrive because who wants to just survive? Exactly. So you learned self-regulation in your life. You understood it. You realized it. You didn't avoid it. And you got through it. And, and the results you had with your children, did that involve in part teaching self-regulation to them? Yes. Well, and the concept, the idea of self-regulation is, 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 believe it or not, it's not something that can be taught. Mm. It's something that is developed. And this is why uh, it, it's absolutely important to create experiences um, for children and even for yourself as an adult that will help shape the brain because it is in these experiences that the, the, the prefrontal cortex is, is really developed and it takes 25 years for that to develop. So, and, and that is the part of the brain which researchers are calling the CEO of resilience. And that is where um, skills like self-regulation, which is pretty much the, the foundation um, executive skill, but it includes impulse control, learning, uh, gratification delay, prioritization, organization, task completion, task you know, um, initiation, and all of those, which takes a long time to, to develop in that part of our brain. But experiences shape that. So the idea of creating these experiences that will ultimately help develop that part of the brain, which ultimately will create a resilient child. And, and self-regulation has been researched and, and found that it's more important than IQ as an indicator of a child's academic success and future um, success. And in fact, you look up the marshmallow experiment, you can see the, the incredible longitudinal study that was done. Um, in addition to that, there's research that shows us that oxytocin is released when you're implementing um, compassion. And that is the antidote to cortisol. And all of those hormones help in develop that part of the brain where, you know, learning can take place and prioritization and, and, and you know, impulse control. If they are not developed, if that, that, that you know, these experiences aren't supporting that, what happens is the, the child is, is basically comes back to the idea of attachment, which is one of my favorite kind of things. I, I just love the word, and I think it gives a great visual picture. But the idea is that in times of distress, I'm a child, I reach out for my attachment person. I reach out for the person who is supposed to help me soothe this. If they are not available or the caregiver is there but they don't, can't offer this relief, 
that helps that active that 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 puts me in 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 the lower centers of my brain where I am stuck with fight flight freeze and ultimately that state becomes traits so mm. we become you know I lie I I steal I isolate myself I keep everything to myself I'm you know all of these different things so you can see the importance um, and these patterns become familiar. Yes, and well, and, they, and because the brain is pattern seeking, and and thank God for neuroplasticity, which allows for the brain to change. But it's a lot easier to create these pathways um, with interactions that support that brain development and encourage those pathways and that growth, um, because then obviously it's not something that has to be rewired later on, which can create a lot more anxiety in making changes. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank absolutely you. Brilliant. <laughs> You know, kind of simple, but you know that's the <laughs> fact. You know, I mean, it's why you know. I mean, and ultimately, the uh, suffering is really a resistance to change. You know, mm. and 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 and. Wait, wait, wait let me let me sure. catch that. Huh. Suffering is a resistance to change. So that those are powerful words. I mean, and the, well, and it's it, it's really pretty simple because you know you think of suffering. Oh, you know, somebody died, or you know, I lost my job. But it's suffering really is little sufferings. You know, um, you know, I, I I go to the library if I'm a child and I and I and I can't get the book I want. That's 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 a mo- that's a moment of suffering. I, I how am I going to deal with the fact that I can't get that book? Am I going to throw myself on the floor and cry? Am I going to take a book out and throw it down? Am I going to sit in a corner and pout? But it's a, it is a moment of suffering. It's the same thing with you know when you get stuck in traffic. You know, if you're going to be late and you've got an appointment, that, that's a moment of suffering. And it, it is a resistance to change because what happened is the, the, ch- the pattern of traffic I expected changed. Yes. And so our emotions are not an obstacle to something. It's part of the process itself. You know, there's often discussed well the conflict said. between mind and heart. Oh, um, please. And uh, anyone who's watched the original Star Trek series loves the arguments that used to go on between Dr. McCoy Bones and Mr. Spock, and the the standoff that would go between them. But what you're pointing out is that we are actually an integrated being. You're seeing that in the development of the brain, of the prefrontal, that our emotions are actually influencing the development of our brain Yes, and, and, and how we think. Well, yeah, and, the, and research done, I believe it's Dr. Um, Richie Davidson at the University of Wisconsin. They have a Center for Investigating Healthy Minds or something, but they they there are actually I was listening to a, a talk that he did online, but he, they've actually found that there are brain cells around our heart. Yes, yes. So when we go oh Sufi emotions, no no because they're the ones you know the brain cells they're sending messages back and forth with these neurotransmitters and 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 all of these that are affected by the hormones that are released and if we can create experiences that release the healthy hormones and reduce the you know the reduction of, of the stress ones that's where it's that's literally why the heart is connected to the brain and my logo with the hands because it's you absolutely in order for us to want our children to be successful academically socially whatever financially it's crucial to 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 integrate the heart and the mind and the heart meaning feelings and emotions yeah, and we're really realizing more about ourselves in that way. And I'm sorry I can't cite a, a uh, web link for this reference, but there's a recent story of uh, a, a, a young woman, grown woman, who had a heart transplant, uh, and uh, the this, it was a deceased man uh, around the same age. Something happened, right. and his heart was available. Uh, it was a successful operation. 
After she received the heart, her behavior changed a little bit. She developed a fondness for watching sports on TV Interesting. while having a cold beer. <laughs> oh, now, how fascinating. <laughs> they, not knowing anything about the donor's life, right. they went back and they asked some questions about oh the, God, the poor, unfortunate deceased who donated his heart, and that's what he liked to do. Wow. So where is the brain? And believe it or not, there are brains. There are, there are brain cells even in our stomach, and that's why a lot of women, the first place it goes is, is our stomachs, our feelings, our, you know, oh, a gut feeling. Stomach, it, yes, and gut feel because literally it's in our gut. That's why you hear, you know, about having a leaky gut. You know, when I work with um, a, a, a doctor who's helped me through through um, you know integrative medicine and, and all that, and the leaky gut is connected to a part of the brain, so it isn't all academics. In fact, if you think it's all academics you're going to hinder that success. <laughs> it can is, be scary I'm, feelings. Oh, I have a feeling that, you know, and, and often we don't even know we're having a feeling. You know, we're so on automatic pilot that we, you know, to have somebody just name the feeling, they'll go to, well, no, I feel like he's doing this. And I mean, I feel like my child is not listening. And I feel like this. No, no, that is a thought. How are you feeling? No, 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 no. But when I, I'm telling you, no, okay, what is your feeling? Because then you feel vulnerable. <gasps> oh, you're safe. It's okay. It's a feeling. You know, that is something we need. This would cut down on stress. This would cut down on neurosis. And, oh, you know, hopefully. and feeling and thought really are one. You know, Socrates used to teach his brain students uh, not just what to learn, but what he thought was more important to teach was how to learn. But what you're pointing out to us is that it's how to feel. Mm-hmm. and how to accept that we feel. And I would imagine that this carries through in everything in life. Oh, and not, you've had results with, with children. Now, uh, and are there any particular situations in which self-regulation can be developed and or practiced to aid a child in developing the skill? Well, yes. And the, the tricky thing about that is that the, the most important times where development takes place in the brain um, is during times of distress. And that's what I talked about earlier about the attachment and seeking that out. So the, the challenge really is is that one of the most important times for this to really take place, the, the biology of this to happen, are times of distress. And they're the times when we want to just shy away from that. So while because of that being such a challenge, what, what I always suggest to, to um, anybody working with children is to practice during times of calm because you're not going to teach somebody to swim if they're drowning. You know, you know that's not the time to say to the kid when they're going to have a meltdown because they're in the store. You know, now don't do that and whatever it is, because the, don't anyway. Children act on the last three words that they hear, especially up to like I don't know, is it five or six, maybe even seven years old. So don't run, and you wonder why they're running. That's just because they're visual. But I digress. <laughs> At any rate, <clears throat> the best thing to do is spend time with your child helping them to learn some of these things that they can do in times um, of calm so that when you get to the store or you they go to school or whatever, they already have practiced, you know, what to do. And the other thing I really want to stress for parents and, and families, teachers and children, is this takes time. You're building a pattern in the brain. So if the pattern has been I fall on the floor and have a meltdown, it's going to take time to change that, that to make a new pattern. So to stick with it. When, it, when the behavior escalates doesn't mean that, you know, but that's their resistance to change, and all they know how to do is have a fit. So that's what they're doing. So they will eventually learn if you stick with it, but it's, 
you know, creating techniques like teaching them how to name a feeling, using what I call a feeling frame. And I'll, I'll have that up on, I'd like to put that up on my website, in fact. Yep. So, um, but drawing pictures with them. What does it look like when you feel angry? What do your eyes look like? What does your, where do you feel it? Is your nose, you know, wrinkled? Is your, your eyebrows, you know, going a different way, you know, pointing towards your nose? Are you smiling or whatever? But getting them in touch with their feelings and, you know, oh, what happens when I, when this happens? Oh, I think I feel this way when I don't get what I want. But helping them to name their feeling and then creating tools or charts for them, like a calming chart or a comfort kit. Uh, where they have squeeze balls or they have a little snow globe or they have some crayons and pencils, but they know what they can do once they've calmed down. So, you know, ultimately the idea is to name the feeling calm and claim it, you know, and then have a chance to do something with it um, more effectively. But um, I think one of the questions that you always get is, well, what do I do if that doesn't work? And here's my answer to that. If you can focus on your breath, Focus on where it is in your body. If that's all you do when you're really, like, I'm ready to just scream and yell at this kid and pack us up and take us home or whatever it is, focus on your breath and name your feeling. It will literally change the state in your brain. So you can even hear it as I think about it myself as I'm speaking. It creates a sense of calm. So if all you can do is, you know, I know I'm triggered. I am mad. Something's happening here. I'm gonna, and I literally would do that in my classroom. I had a, a, a rocking chair, and I'd be like, you know, with all the tools I had and research and personal experience, there were times when I said, you know, you guys, <sighs> Mr. Rokowski needs to sit. And or the take old adage of take a deep breath and count to ten. Yes, you know. So literally, you know, it takes three deep breaths to change the state of the brain. So my, I, you know, I always had ways of teaching my kids how to do that. But the greatest thing is that I'm modeling for them. Then I would see my students taking a test or whatever. And they'd be over there doing their breathing because they were upset. That is extraordinary. You know, the ancient Greeks used to say that the beginning of knowledge is to know something by its right name. So oh, That's a good one. Yes, and you're helping children to identify and you're legitimizing their emotion while giving them an acceptable outlet alternative for how to express it. Right. Because once it's okay that they can feel that way, that they're not being blamed for feeling that way or feeling that something's wrong with them. Exactly. You give them an acceptable outlet and then get them to look at their own feelings as the observer as well. Yes. That's that's, You know, giving them the equipment to deal with their feelings um, is, you know, and the great thing is when you do that, they start coming up with their own ideas. And then they're owning it. There was, I mean, they came up with different ways of breathing. The Mr. Kowski, look, look, I came up with this way of breathing. Or, they, you know, look, we can do this. And, and how about if I do that? And so they literally start doing their own problem solving. And, and that obviously helps them to be more available um, and calm and activate their prefrontal when, when they're learning and, and, and will help with the academics, the intelligence, and all of that. But also being empathetic with them. And, and this is one of the things that I know um, from experience is when I literally looked at my children who were really struggling um, with behavior issues, you know, reminding myself they're they're trying to communicate something to me. They they are suffering. What, What can I do to kind of help them with this? And that gets into one of the students I had who was very challenging and she, uh, I was told by her teacher the former year, you know, she was wetting herself on purpose. She was throwing things. She was, 
um, throwing her, her, her work off her desk, coloring on other people's things, not staying in her seat. And she was diagnosed OCD and ADHD. And so this was, a, this was going to be a challenge for me. And when I, I, I used to literally, and she would not get up when it's time to line up for PE or specials or activities. And we always had to do it right after the morning announcements when she was doing her morning work and coloring. She loved to draw, which we talk about artists and stuff. At any rate, I, I literally would go over to her and got down on, on, and I started by doing choices. You know, we call her Kathy, Kathy. You may come now or Mr. Kowski will have to come get you. You know, what are your choices? You know, blah, blah, blah. And that became a struggle. And, and I thought, what am, what am I missing here? And I literally went over and I sat down next to her and I looked at her in her eyes because the eye contact is mirroring neurons. And I was compassionate but set my intention first. And I went and said, you know what? It's really hard to stop coloring, isn't it? You love to color. You don't feel like getting up and going to PE, do you? No, Ms. Rokowski, I don't. I said, it's so hard to stop. I said, you know what? I really don't feel like going either. It's hard. <laughs> and, I mean, she literally would just give me her hand and would and get in line. But it's the idea of I see your suffering. Because literally, sometimes I think, honestly, what people or even children want is to see my suffering. If you don't see it, I'm going to make louder and louder. And all this happens subconsciously, you know, unconsciously. So we don't even realize that that's what we're doing. But taking the time to go... It's really hard when we go to the grocery store and they don't have a sprinkle cookie. All they have is chocolate chip, and you don't like that. Identify through compassion. Yes, I mean, I'm telling you, it, it, you will watch the, the 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 dynamic in your relationships change when you implement empathy because they, it isn't about trying to fix my feelings. Because remember, suffering can't be fixed; hmm. it can be relieved. Ah. Uh-huh. So this little girl was repeating first grade, and by the end of the year, she was reading on grade level and was was interacting socially and emotionally with her friends, handling her upset, using her own tools, and it was it was really amazing to see. So you've discovered the way. You've realized these things in yourself. You're teaching them to children. You have research. You have examples and success with the children you dealt with. Along the way, you, I think you've hit on some ancient universal truths. You talk about breath. In ancient Sanskrit, the word for breath is prana, which is also synonymous with life. I've, you know, I heard somebody tell me that very recently, and and it, it, I had totally forgotten that that, that that was the case. But, you know, I, I do want to stress that it is the, the tricky thing about breath is this. Or breathing, let me put it that way, is, you know, you, I, I, at the time of my life when I hadn't implemented these tools, when somebody would tell me to breathe, I just wanted to, you know, punch them in the face. They tell me to breathe. What the hell I breathe? You know, so that's why I talk about if, you, if you're if you at such a state, you know, the idea is to avoid getting to the state where you're just so mad you can't, you know. But if you're at the point where you can see that happening, focus on your breath, even if it's, all of a sudden, your focus changes. Your brain yes. state changes. You become calmer. So I hesitate to tell you know families or kids or parents, whoever, just breathe. Because sometimes you don't feel like just breathing. You know, yes. like, don't tell me, just breathe. I'm going to meditate in the corner. You know, it doesn't work that way. Yes. So here's a way, because what happens is your breathing will slow down and calm down as a result without even trying of just focusing on, on that breath or where the emotion is manifesting itself in your body. So Gina Rokowski of ConqueringChaosLLC.com 
you're telling us that one of the best ways to improve our mind is to deal with our heart. Yes, most definitely. Well, I thank you for what you've shared with us as some wonderful lessons, and I think that you're on the foreground, the front runner of where the entire education system oh, is sure going. So. <laughs> I sure hope so. Well, do you have any parting words for our um, listeners, I think Gina? that um, the only thing I'd like to say, I think it's like should be the end of the month or February sometime that the website will be going up, so that will be really exciting. Conquering Chaos LLC, keep checking back. And we have an important event coming up uh, this month here in January 2015. Yes, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing a presentation uh, at the Trends Breakfast. Uh, at the University and uh, Wist Club yes. um, in Wilmington uh, next Wilmington, Thursday. Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware. It's the 22nd of, uh, at 7.30 in the morning, a short presentation on um, why self-regulation is equals Marvelous. resilience and compassion. And to find out about that event and uh, where to go, uh, in case you're local and you want to attend, just check out Gina's site at conqueringchaosllc.com. You'll find all of the details there. And may this be one of many talks coming up as you share this innovative technique as a as spearheading the direction in which all education is going out of necessity. Gina Rokowski, I thank you for sharing your thoughts and your dreams. Thank you, David. My pleasure.